Yeah, I want to say out. I just want to put this out there. Sorry, Zack Snyder. We d- we were wrong. Yeah, totally. <laughs> we just didn't get it. We just didn't get it. I'm gonna just. I'm gonna be watching that. You know that four by three cut of the just the four hour cut of the Justice League for the rest of my life. Yeah. Just like getting all the metaphorical. Just like he he understands these characters. I'm the one who doesn't get it. That's it. I mean. The, the countless years that I've spent reading these characters. I was reading maybe, it wrong. I was reading. I was reading maybe too deeply. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, or not deep enough. Um, I, exactly. I didn't take away the, what the right thing was. Exactly. And the right thing was Batman will drag you behind your his car until he is dead. Until you are dead. No, he's not dead. He's fine. You're dead. Yep. He will, he will murder you in the yeah. in the face of justice. That's right. He will punch you so hard that your head will explode, and then he will brand. If you're not dead, he's going to brand you. So surely you'll die in prison. That's the that's Batman. Right. We, that's I didn't get it. I thought yeah. Batman had a code. I thought he was supposed to be heroic. No, I was wrong. I listen. I was. I I'm sorry. Wrong. Yeah, sorry. Uh, we I, look. I'm I'm willing to apologize right here, right now. Okay. I'm sorry, Zach. I'm sorry too, Zach. On behalf of both the Pop Saga pals, we're so sorry we didn't get it. <laughs> does, that, does that sound sincere? Yeah, totes. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Sorry we didn't get it, Zach. What genius movies? Oh, oh, sorry. Okay, well now it's sounding kind of like hmm? being mean about over it. the top. Okay, yeah, a little bit. It's all right. All right. Well, <laughs> I gave it a try. I'm got to work on. You know, this is what I'm working on in therapy right now. Got to try to be more sincere. I'm really happy to hear that. This is this is what you're working out through therapy. Like, yeah. How do you feel about Zack Snyder's? Zack deserves it. He deserves <laughs> the. He deserves us to give him a proper apology for just. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Let's go. You know we gotta keep it hype all day and night like this. Showing love when we can. Shout out to the super fans, uh huh. You don't really wanna miss Pop Soccer, stay lit. So if you ready, we ride and take it back to the 90s. From movies to the video games, just a couple of nerds keep it so entertaining. Hey, Pop Soccer. Welcome, spacefarers, to another exciting episode of Pop Saga the podcast that delves into the captivating world of pop culture. Today, we embark on an interstellar journey into the beloved universe of Star Trek, Picard. I must admit, it took me longer than a warp speed journey to finally catch up with Star Trek Picard, but now I'm all in, ready to explore the cosmos. Who are we? Well, I'm Captain John Riker, number two to the number one man himself, Admiral Four, Luke Picard. <laughs> so fellow Trekkies and intergalactic listeners, prepare to set your phasers to entertain as we boldly go where Pop Saga has only gone like three times before. <laughs> You're not wrong. Yeah, I think it's three. Might be a little more, but I think it's three. 
I think it's uh, just talking about like the pure like movies or TV. I think it's three. I think we did include some Star Trek ships in some of our ship ranking episodes, but I don't think that counts because it's not solely focused on Star Trek. That being said, that's a really beautiful intro you wrote. Thank you. I'm Kudos. To, I'm trying to get better about it. I and, think you did uh, a great job. And reading them uh, the way I write them versus trying to punch them up because oh. I am no Pat Oswalt. So there you go. Interesting. So you like when you before you would write them and then while you were saying them, you would try to interject a little funny <laughs> here, a little twist there. Exactly. Well, <laughs> little chuckles in them. Oh, did you say? Did you say chuckle zone? No, I said chuckles in them. Oh, not chuckle zone. <laughs> but I mean, sure. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna introduce some chuckle zone into this. You know what I mean? I kind of love that. I thought that you when you were writing stuff, you're like, oh wait, I gotta put here. I gotta put some space for the chuckle zone. <laughs> Like that's what you call the place where you insert a joke. I was like, well, "Geez, that's that's very funny." Well, like it is. Too. It is now. Chuckle Zone, TMTM, Pop Saga, Two Did. It is ours. Chuckle Zone. <laughs> that's right. If you, if anyone out there wants to uh, cop or wants to like use the Chuckle Zone, you're welcome to do so for a reasonable licensing fee. Yeah. 30, that worked. Yeah, totally. $35 a month. $35,000 a year. For just $35,000 a year, you get to use the phrase chuckle zone any way you want. You can use it in advertising. You can put it on a shirt. You can sell that shirt. Anything to recoup the $35,000 <laughs> that you're out every year. I mean, yeah, you know, that part's up to you. That's not our problem. Just as long as those chucks clear, baby. How because the minute they stop, you're not in the chuckle zone no more. You're, that's right. It's going to be the sad zone because you're going to owe us a lot more than $35,000. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, you're going to be in Litigation Avenue. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and trust me, you don't want to rock down to Litigation Avenue. <laughs> no one does. Because the bill's going to get higher, right? Yes. yes that's exactly indeed. how that works. Yep, that's how it works, and that's how that song goes. <laughs> yeah, totally. Why no, I'm not? I'm not going to question it. No, and I mean, why I, should I, you? Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, I know in my heart of hearts, you're mostly wrong. But <laughs> for me to feel good about it, I'm not going to question it. No, that's divisive. I'm not trying to do that. I'm trying to be more elegantly. Yes. Yes, very good. Yeah. You've done yes. it. Yeah, Bye, oh, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jinx. Yes, yeah, somebody owes somebody else a Coke. Yeah, I'll get you one of those. I'll get you a regular Coke. One of those fancy dream-flavored ones. Or That's good. I am, I am fully on board with that. I prefer my favorite flavor of Coke is just Coke. Yep. I mean, I guess, and if I had, if you were to be like, pick a second flavor of Coke, then cherry coke. It's got to be cherry. Nothing yeah. else can even no nothing compare to cherry. No, nope. as I always say. Yeah, that actually sounds like a drink you could make. Compare. Oh, you know, John. <laughs> speaking of drinks, what a brilliant segue. Thank you. In, thank you. Into our hit segment. What are you imbibing this evening, John? Well, after the last time we talked Star Trek. 
and you were like, oh, you should, I thought it would be a long drink for the long journey. I was like, damn it. So this time I'm drinking the finished long drink, but it is the uh, zero sugar version of the long drink. Oh, so, they make one of those? They make them. They're hard to find, but when you find them, apparently you get them. They're like 99 calories. Otherwise. 99 calories. A light long drink. But damn near tastes like the regular long drink. I'm gonna have to see if I can find that because uh, I like a long drink. Yeah. It's but it's packed life. with sugar. Yeah, that's what makes that one good. But this one actually tastes pretty good. It's not as a not as sweet, and it's got like that whatever fake sweetener that they're using in there. Doesn't really nice. tell you. But Stevia, it's a, maybe. Yeah, uh, circulos. Uh, whatever. Yeah, but it's good. Gin with natural grapefruit and juniper berry flavors, and it still tastes better than a fresca. Not like that's hard, <laughs> but it still does. Takes that fresca. Another dent in your seemingly impenetrable armor. <laughs> Why are you still around? <laughs> good question. What is, what's, what's on your menu? Oh, thank you for so much for asking, John. I will drop this accent right away. Um, I am tonight. I am enjoying a, a dirty martini. Oh, uh, except How many I mm, zero gross. Uh, <laughs> I except I did not have any vermouth, so it's just gin and olives, basically. <laughs> uh, it's an attempt. That's yeah. all that matters, yeah. Yes, it's a uh, Trader Joe's bargain basement gin called uh, just called Juniper Nine, I think. Okay, I'm gonna even send you some send you a gin care package with some vermouth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, I I uh, I like a dirty martini. It's the only way I like my martinis. So I and I love using garlic olives. Weird, right? But. So it's got three garlic olives, it's got uh, half an ounce of brine, and two ounces of gin. It's actually quite a good gin, uh, for the price anyway. Um, from, you guessed it, Trader Joe's. The olives and the gin, both from Trader Joe's, forgot to get vermouth, or they don't have it, which is actually more likely. I feel like it's something they would have. Yeah, you'd think so. Yeah. This one, it just uh, you know, it has a little bit. It's it, in terms of its like uh, liquor section, it is a little bit lacking. Um, as far as other Trader Joe's I've been to in the past, plenty of wine and beer. Uh, you know what? I take that back. The beer section is also kind of paltry, but I have no really ex excuse because I was recently at uh, a wine, wine club, wine etc. Whatever it's called. Total uh, wine. Total wine. There you go. Drinking too many of these dirty martinis. Um, and I picked up some uh, peanut butter whiskey, which I do on occasion. Um, and I mix it with oat milk, and it tastes like a peanut butter milkshake that's melted, of course. But I was there, and I didn't get any vermouth, so it's really, you know, shame on me. Next time. Next time, Next you'll, get, time. You, you'll get your vermouth going. You'll be good. Yeah, it'll. I'll have a, a proper martini because I, unlike some people out there who make lots of jokes about how much mar uh, marmuth, <laughs> vermouth, 
that you should put in your martini. Uh, I actually think that you should be able to taste it a little bit. I think it it adds to the flavor profile, and I like vermouth in there. But I actually like it more in uh, vodka martini than I do in a gin martini because I do like gin kind of being the star. I like it, the all the fun botanical flavors of gin. Yeah, I don't think you need the vermouth as much in a gin martini, just in general. Like, I mean, for me, it's just like literally give me the coldest glass you have in the whole building, then put a little bit of vermouth, sp- spool it around there, dash it, and then just put a bunch of gin. That's literally, that's yeah. all. That's normally how I rock it. I put a glass in the freezer when I want to make a martini. That's how much I value that cold, cold glass. Yeah, that's smart. That's smart. Then I shake it till my hands hurt. Till I can't shake it no more. Yeah, well, you gotta shake what you're working with. That's right. You have to shake what your mother has passed down to you through the ages. Yep. Which is a maraca, weirdly enough. Well, at least that's something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, you know, it says, uh, Viva Cancun on the side. And you have so many questions, your mother refuses to answer any of them. That's nice. My mom just gave me one of those old school spray paint cans. Oh. It just has a little rattle in it. Yeah. No spray, no, it had no spray paint, but, you know, shake it anyway. Hey, any maraca in a storm, as they say. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, John, do you Chuckle think... Zone. Anyway. <laughs> Chuckle Zone. Over. Uh, do you think we should invoke the spoiler witch? I think so. I Indeed. think so. Yeah. This is possible that people maybe have not checked out the whole the whole enchilada. And I mean, to be fair, you know, we'll probably jump around and stuff. It's not oh, like yeah. we're going to do a big super oh, recap, no. but uh, that's all. That would be a lot. But still, uh, uh, three, two, one, spoiler witch clip, go now. Spoilers, spoilers, double boilers. Yeah. The, yep. Cauldrons burn and secrets bubble. Gotta of really in, make sure you look at that cauldron, rites though. And passages handed down to yeah. us by our ancestors. The spoiler witch has been invoked, bubble? and we will be like, safe. If your cauldrons burn, uh, isn't that a problem? Uh, yeah, no. But that's the thing about the about the spoiler witch is that it's mm. not cauldrons bubble. You're, you you burn your your damn cauldrons, and then you're the secrets. They are the things that are bubbling. Oh. <laughs> they have a high boil point. You know, high flash point. Oh, okay. So it's not like you should be like, you know, like people who try to like cook something real high and fat with olive oil. And I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah, exactly. You, that's got a low flash point. That's going to light your, your, your darn house on fire. Or it's just going to make your food taste bad. Well, in general, you got to be careful with the olive oil, right? Mm-hmm. Because like everyone's mm-hmm. like extra virgin, extra virgin. But extra virgin olive oil has a, a bit of a bitter taste to it. So... You got to be careful how you're using it. Yeah, you use it judiciously. And you know, you can get non-virgin uh, EVOO, extra virgin olive oil, uh, and it's got a lighter taste. It's got a smoother taste. Keep that in mind. Doug, I just look at olive oil as a finishing oil for the most part. If I'm going to be cooking something in a skillet, like, I don't know, a pork chop or a piece of beef or something, I'm not going to go to olive oil first. No. Just not. Mm-mm, mm-mm. I'm not trying. I'm not trying to get that. I'm not trying to get that burnt olive oil flavor no. on, my, on my food. Who wants that? Like he said, it's bitter, and everyone's like, "Ooh, this tastes good." I'm like, "Nope, don't taste like it's intended." Which should be better than good. That's right. 
Yeah, good old canola slash corn oil or so soybean oil will will do you up right. Yeah. Low, it's mild in flavor and it's got a high flash point, so you can fry stuff without it getting all smoky in your room. And if you have an apartment, that could be a big problem because guess what? Your fire alarm might go off, and maybe you can't stop it, and maybe the fire department has to come. And then you're going to get like a fool because they're going to be like, look at you, burning olive oil when you should have used a higher point oil. Yeah, I uh, I once lived in a, uh, an apartment complex where they were having like once a month someone would activate the the smoke alarm and everyone would have to leave, you know, evacuate um, the, the premises. But, mm. you know, and, and it... it I, I, I'm not saying I don't appreciate the fact that the place wasn't on fire. That's always good when things aren't on fire, but oh, it's a uh, they had to put out like a, an apartment wide email that was like listed such specific dishes that I knew it had to be the dishes that these people lit their like <laughs> stove on fire and then set off the alarm. It was like baked potato skins, uh, f- you know, uh, oven French fries. And then it said, comma, George. <laughs> that was really it seemed personal but I, I, I don't know if they're able to share that kind of ppi but uh you know i mean you get me out of my house once a month because you don't know how to cook yeah i'm calling you out george stop yeah, burning your potato sins yep yep stop oh. stop buying those uh stop buying those loaded potato skins from uh you know uh from tgi fridays in the freezer and uh and, yeah Here's a question for you. Shoot. Do you think there are people out there who, to to them, TGI Fridays only exists as, like, a concept? Like, they've only had the frozen version from the grocery store, and they're just like, I really wish I could have gone to one of those, you know, when they were in their heyday. I wish I could have gone to a TGI Fridays. Where's the closest one? Six hours away. Good God. <laughs> And then you're like, well, one day I'll, I'll travel and have it. But then they just go to like their local Kroger or something. All of a sudden, boom, TGI Fridays in their frozen food aisle. Yeah. Do you think like someone's always wanted to go to TGI Fridays? They didn't have one around them. They never wanted to go. Then bam, the loaded potato skins, the jalapeno poppers, the, the chicken, the boneless chicken wings. They're in their freezer. They get them. They take them home. They pop them in the oven or whatever. And they are just, I, I haven't ever had them, but I just up assuming that they're garbage. And yes. then someone's just like their whole reality is shattered. It's like when people go when people go to uh, there's a syndrome when people go to Paris that they have this idea in their head that's going to be immaculate and romantic and just this amazing sort of like perfectly uh, curated experience. Mm-hmm. And then they go there and it's not like that at all. It's just you know it's another big city. It's obviously historical and beautiful, but it is a giant city like any other. And they have like a mental break. <laughs> they have to be treated. You know, the mental break is obviously not funny, but the whole pair of like the Parisian syndrome or the Paris syndrome, whatever it's called, is a little bit like, you know, you know, just like watch some YouTube videos. Get yourself I, prepared for what you're going to run into over there. I mean, come on. I'd be like, you can be like, well, you know what? France and Paris has been around for a while. Imagine it's pretty old. Like, and it's not going to be as immaculate as your brain makes it out to be. Yeah. Go read a Fromer's guide. <laughs> Something. Go do yourself a favor. Yeah. 
YouTube a few, you know, especially if you're from America, YouTube, American in, in, in France, you'll get a real experience. Um, yeah. But to answer your initial question, yes, 100% I know people have because I was one of those people with another product. What's that? White Castle. There's no White Castles in California. So you'd you'd hear about the White Castle, you hear about it and you'd see it, but you'd never be able to go to one. But you'd go to the freezer section of the White Castle little burgers. And I was like, well, they're bringing White Castle home to me. And all I need to do is just throw those things in the oven for a few minutes. It's a win-win. And then I had it and was like, oh, maybe they don't freeze so well. <laughs> maybe I should wait to go try White Castle in its actual environment. And then I did, and I still stand by what I said. Yeah, I think you're right. I, the, White Castle also broke my heart. I wasn't even aware White Castle was a thing until I saw Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Oh, well. And that that movie made them look so delectable that I was like, I have to have these White Castles. Then I got, I went and got one, and it was the worst thing I've ever put in my mouth. And now when people are like, you got to have Whataburger. It's the best burger you've ever had. I don't trust them. Yeah, yeah. Especially if they're the ones telling you, you got to have White Castle. Like, you need White Castle. So if you're not going to believe them there, uh, yeah, I'm not believing Whataburger either. Sorry, Texas. Yeah, not believing sorry. It. Yeah, and look. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I've been hurt too many times. Blame White Castle. Don't blame me. Blame White Castle. And if you're offended by my White Castle opinion, I mean, I'm sorry, but like, they was, wow, what are you doing? What are you doing with your burger life if you think that's something to recommend to people? I know I just was like, I felt like I was going to apologize and make people feel better, but I just thought about it. I just thought back on those like, those like soppy, soggy buns and that postage stamp thickness of beef with holes cut in it. They're like cheaping you out when you get inside the, the actual burger and just like these little excuses for pickles. And it's just, it tasted real bad. Preach. Preach, brother. Preach. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Not good. They're not good. They're not I good. didn't like and, it. And then look, they got this weird thing too called chicken rings. I, I saw though I didn't I dared not try them well, because I, I'm just like <laughs> I know what part of the chicken of the ring comes from and I don't want anything to do with that. Yeah, it was pretty much like eating a chicken's, <laughs> but it, yeah, chicken's cloaca or ring piece. I guess yep. <laughs> you would put it. I have no clean way of putting it. Yeah, they weren't very good, but uh, their barbecue sauce I think is from Heinz or something, so that was serviceable. Okay, well, now I've, my opinion has totally flipped. Uh, here's the one thing I liked about White Castle. You could get your burgers in a suitcase, and I appreciate the practicality and, you know, just the... I appreciate the imagery of that, where somebody was like, okay, fine. They're little burgers. Let's get them in a suitcase. Well, who cares? <laughs> they need a way to carry them. Yeah, I mean, it is like it's, you know, when you'd get one of those, uh, the 12 crunchy tacos from taco bell back in the day in the little, little fucking craver packs where you just walk around <laughs> we'll like go like an adult happy meal container but it was so worth it because they had a bunch of tacos oh i know you can't when i moved with... after i moved up to san francisco and i was living in uh, a hotel room because the dorm that they had for us was not ready bad planning on their part uh i bought one of those boxes of tacos and then like ate them over the course of a couple days 
and you can just you know how disgusting that is. Yeah, yeah. I I I immediately was waiting to start cringing because I was gonna yeah. wait because I was waiting for you to be like I got them and I had all ten within the prerequisite twelve minute window that you have to eat Taco Bell and it was glorious. No, nope. no. This was the, the year two thousand and uh, uh, just imagine me on my year two thousand laptop heating the tacos on the power brick. <laughs> <laughs> you have an idea oh. of me in college. Oh man. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Oh. That's the right reaction. Oh. It was funny when you said the year two thousand, I almost did the whole Conan O'Brien bit. I was yeah, like, I miss those. I do too. But in the year two thousand yep. force heated up old crunchy tacos on the power brick of his laptop in his hotel room while he's waiting for the dorm room to open up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a true story. That actually happened. I believe it. That, that sounded like that came from a, a a place of pain. Yeah. You know, it's one of those, that's the thing is when you have an, a memory you're embarrassed with, it's good to get it out there and talk about it and laugh about it so you can reframe it in your own mind. Um, so thank you for going on this journey with me. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. Yeah. But speaking of journeys, we're here to talk about the journey of a lifetime. That's right. Uh, in a continuation, I would say like a spinoff of our Star, Star Trek saga, because this is not going in chronological order like we promised. But let's be honest, if we do this like we promised we're going to do it, we're not going to get to actual Picard until like five years from now. <laughs> so if not longer, so you'll surely forget about this episode by, by that time. But uh, a little spinoff of our Star Trek saga, we're going to talk about all of Picard. That's three seasons. It just wrapped up its third and final season just recently. And John has seen them all. Uh kind of like back to back which is an experience that i have yet to have so it'll be interesting to see how seeing it in this compressed format has uh has changed your view because i was waiting you know week after week when it would come out i would watch them and then i would have to wait very long in between seasons so interested to see how that kind of affects our our perspective i mean well, it was, you know, like originally I was just going to be adamant against not watching it because I was just like, everyone wants me to watch it. So, bah! yeah, I don't, I must not need to watch this. A classic contrarian. <laughs> exactly. People you, say, hey, this is good. You should try this out. You're like, ah, yeah, yeah, get out of here. You, you Whataburger, get out of here. Too popular. Too popular. Don't like it. But um, it was really at my... At my birthday, where everyone was talking about it, like everyone was like, "Oh, Picard, Picard, Picard!" It was like the secret thing. Like, have you watched Picard yet? I said, "Fool, I haven't even watched like the second season of Discovery that I said I'd be watching for like two years." <laughs> it makes you think I'm gonna watch the Picard. They're like, "Well, really good," and I was like, "Okay, whatever." And then I said, "Well, you know what? It's not like I really have brand new shows to watch anyway," and I. It, you know, maybe the, you know, the the dude who likes both Star Trek and Star Wars, you know, taboo to some, but I think they coexist very well. So I was just like, you know, let's just finish Discovery. Like I said, I would. So I have Strange New Worlds. 
because I did remember the first time I started Discovery and I liked Pike. So I said, well, let me watch you that to get a better understanding there. And then I was like, well, they keep talking about Picard. And then everyone kept talking about the train wreck of the first, you know, like the second season and the first one being all right. I was like, well, everyone's telling me I should skip just to season three. I was like, nah, I'm going to watch them all just back to back to back to back. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and that's just kind of how I got started. Watch a couple episodes here, a couple episodes there, and then. It kept going like, oh man, I hope season two is better than this season one. Let's hope. And then when I was in season two, I was like, oh shit, I hope this season three better than season two. But when I waiting for it to come up, but yeah, no, it was just kind of nice to dive back into the Star Trek pool. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm glad you, you gave it another shot and I'm glad you have seen this and we can talk about it now. Um, I definitely have a lot of thoughts about it. Uh, the new, one of the things that is very interesting about this new age of Star Trek, and we are certainly in another golden age of Star Trek, I think is fair to say, um, that is that it's kind of been marked by showrunner turnover. It's been a big deal. Discovery, you know, uh, I think Strange New Worlds still has the same showrunners that it did. In season uh, one, uh, in this uh, forthcoming season two, and certainly uh, Lower Decks has had a consistent showrunner the entire time, but like uh, Discovery had, um, it was originally created by the uh, by, by Brian Fuller, who uh, you might know from the show Pushing Up Daisies, and, and uh, Hannibal, probably more recently. Um... And he departed before that even started. I think that's when they brought, I think, because Alan Kirk, uh, Alex Kurtzman, um, is the sort of the the Michael, uh, the <laughs> Michael, the Kevin Feige. <laughs> where did Michael even come from? You know what? Mm-hmm. You know where it came from? I'm literally looking at somebody named Michael right now, uh, in my research. Uh, so that's where the switcheroo came from, but. Alex Kurtzman is the the Kevin Fahey of the new Star Trek sort of uh, expanded universe or whatever you want to call it. Um, but Brian Fuller is the kind, the person who came up with a lot of things in Discovery, but he left the show right before it started. Then two other showrunners took over whose names escaped me, and apparently they were just awful and abusive, and then they were fired, and then a new people came for season two. Uh, and they were also bad or something. Either way, they went through several showrunners. And uh, Picard was a similar story. Much like, you know, because Brian Fuller is a fairly well-respected, if not, like, very stylistically specific uh, creative. Um, For Picard, they originally hired Michael Chabon. Are you familiar with Michael... Shabon. I mean, the name sounds familiar. Um, God. He is a, uh, he's a, a writer Pulitzer, or something, right? Yes, exactly. He's a Pulitzer Prize winning fiction author, uh, writing such hits as Wonder Boys, The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay, okay. The Yiddish Policeman's Union, Telegraph Avenue, and Moonglow, a novel. Um, but like just a very sort of serious but 
like talented writer. So when I heard that, I was like, whoa, this is going to be a real different breed of Star Trek. This is going to be something that is uh, that is head and shoulders above, maybe from a creative perspective, like the original, uh, the, the other Star Treks we've seen. Uh, but then he, he was out of there. <laughs> He's like, I'm done. Sorry. Chabon out. I think it was, I want to say he was out of there before, uh, the series premiered, much like what happened with Brian Fuller. And then, um, Another name you might be familiar with, uh, Akiva Goldsman is also uh, up there with uh, Alex Kurtzman in, in terms of like overseeing the whole new Star Trek universe. He's the one who took over after Michael Shaban left. And I don't know, do you have any feelings about uh, Akiva Goldsman? Because I was very much like, he's very hit and miss for me. Uh, a lot of things he's produced I like, uh, but then there are certainly a, a bunch of things he's produced that I'm just like, uh-oh. <laughs> uh, what's, uh, what's something that he's produced that you're like, yeah, it's pretty good, and what's one thing that makes you go, uh-oh? So I have a baseline, because I sure. saw his name all over the thing, but I had no set and concept. I could just tell when I was like, okay, this person likes Star Trek. This person doesn't like Star Trek, <laughs> sure. and then this person really loves Star Trek, and that's I can kind of tell who is doing what. But uh, like, what what's something that this Akiva Goldsman did that made you go, yeah, no? Well, as a writer, he was he wrote the the movie A, a Beautiful Mind, which oh, okay. is yeah, it certainly well, at the time was critically acclaimed. Sure, uh, but he also wrote. Batman and Robin. Hmm. Oh, well, there you go. All right. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And then he, in terms of like he the actual stuff that he produced, like he produced Fringe or he was a consultant consulting producer certainly on on Fringe and I I like Fringe. Uh but also was a uh, a producer on the the Dark Tower movie. Ooh. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So you can, yeah, so I can very see hit what, or miss. Yeah, very wildly inconsistent with those. Like it's like a beautiful mind, Batman and Robin. Yeah, <laughs> like, and, and even more recently, he was he had the story by credit in 2017's Transformers: The Last Night. Oh. <laughs> so you could understand, like, I think I, I can only assume this is all based on assumption. We don't have any actual information to to corroborate any of this, but when you're watching that first season of Picard, and there are some like ideas that are very heady and very sort of like challenging to think about and very challenging to Picard's legacy and Star Trek as a whole, and then there's like the end where you're just like, what the fuck? <laughs> it definitely feels like okay, this is Michael Shabon, and this is Akiva Goldsman. <laughs> Yeah, especially, like, I don't know. I could tell, like, when they got the better directors. Like, sure, or when yeah. they had the better ones, and it was at least uh, serviceable. Um, you know, like, you could watch that and be like, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, season one was 
I mean, it was fine. Sure. It's fine, you, but there were ones that made me go like, what is this? What What is this? Like, what, what am I watching? Especially like, um, God, which one was it? Uh, let me take a look at the, the episodes. Like Maps and Legends. Mm-hmm. It what just, was that one about? That was the one where uh, Picard is looking for people left and right. He, in trying to get help, and then he the goes to- The second episode of season one. No, it should be, yes, the second episode. He's trying to get help, and it was just like, everyone at Starfleet is treating this dude who literally has saved the known universe at this point countless times. Treating them kind of like shit. You know what is I mean? That, um, is that the uh is that the episode where the Admiral is like the sheer fucking hubris and drops yeah. the the very first F bomb in uh Star Trek history, I think. Exactly. And then like I was just like, really? Or the person not knowing who he is. Like when he's going into the building, I was like, Look, it's Jean Luc Picard. Everyone should know who the fuck this guy is. Yeah. There, there's no way you could not be a member or work for Starfleet without knowing his, even if he hasn't been there for almost 20 years. There's no way. There is literally no way you have no idea this is who this person is. There's just, just none. And it was just like, oh, okay. It's just one of these things. It, it's, it's like, let's try to make it edgy. We already got the artsy fartsy. Uh, I was using six feet under intros, right? Where it's just playing some music. You're like, what is what is this uh, intro opening intro cinematic thing? I could not uh, did not jive with me at all. Um, it's very artsy and like it, uh, it's, it's too deep, metaphorical, and it has to do with a vineyard. Which like I don't know. We'll go. We'll get to it when we get to the. Uh, the TNG portion of our Star Trek saga, but the this the episodes, the few episodes in TNG that actually take place on the orchard are my least favorite episodes by a by a long shot. Yeah, who wants to be here on Earth? Like, no, boldly go, fuckers, boldly go. <laughs> get, get me somewhere else. Don't put me in France. Yeah, you I don't got no French board. accent. Come on, <laughs> nope, never did. Uh, I was on board. Um, I, I mean, I was definitely here for it. I was definitely on board for this new series. I don't necessarily, like, I understand and appreciate the, the, the space that these kind of stories occupy in, in popular culture, but like the whole sad old man that no one remembers and or cares about anymore trope or story device is just like, it just bums me out so much. It's it. I don't want to say like it feels lazy, but it feels lazy, and especially just given in the context of Star Trek, or I guess my ideals of what Star Trek is, it, it just in general, especially like Starfleet. I just that episode really just like okay, you're you know fucking browbeat, Jean Luc Picard. You know yeah. who the fuck Q is, right? <clears throat> Yeah, like you right. all literally know who, and he, 
Q is much like the Noid. He ruins pizzas and he can ruin lives. And he's <laughs> dealt with him multiple times. And you'll be like, you don't have a statue of this dude up in your academy, like right next to all the other great captains. You're going to make him wear a visitor badge. It was just like, that was just, oh, like, just stop making him seem like he's just a sad old dude who made a mistake because I would say all the thing, all the good he's done has outweighed most of the mistakes that man has ever made. Well, just, it was a pretty, it was a pretty big one. Uh, I don't, I mean, sure, I guess, but not really. I, I do like the way that they honor like the new established canon uh, by making, at least in the first season, making the destruction of Romulus a fairly big story point. Because, of course, that is from the J.J. Abrams movies. Um, so I appreciate that part of it. Sure. 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 Why not? I mean, I don't have a problem. Like a lot of the backstory and things are things I don't like have the problem with it. Just more kind of to your point. It's just like a lot of these tropes where it's just like, can't we just start with him badass? Why didn't he own his own ship? <laughs> yeah. Or just to have like the means to just get one immediately. Actually, I take that back. Is that true? No, it, the destruction of Romulus happens in the Kelvin timeline. It in, happens on Nemesis. And that's Vulcan. Vulcan, well, wasn't Vulcan saved in the Abrams timeline? No, Vulcan is destroyed. Um, is it, does like the sun, I does thought, the thing go supernova and then? This, I, thought this, got, I thought it got destroyed in Nemesis. This is oh. how, no, no, Nemesis data gets destroyed. <laughs> is it just data? I thought it was wrong. I thought it was because of Eric Bana was all mad. That's the that you're thinking of the Kelvin timeline. Those are the those are the uh, those are the Abrams ones. Uh, he goes back in time because <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna wait. You wow. tell me. I don't. Re you know what? I don't remember. <laughs> I do not remember uh, uh, the Abrams movies as well as I would like. Uh, the thing is, though, okay, yes. So it finds the character. So the for the premise of uh, of Picard is that uh, it finds John Lu JLP Jean Luc Picard uh, deeply affected by the death of Data in the films, as well as the destruction of the planet Romulus in in the film Star Trek two thousand and nine. Of course, that's that's it. That is the answer <laughs> so there you go so it is romulus i was right the whole time and i should have never second guessed myself um but uh you know so he made a, a mistake when he was evacuating a romulus and that has made him sort of persona non grata but that doesn't really explain the people who don't remember him as you said you'd think with all the kind of like insane sort of universe saving stuff that the enterprise got up to there would be not a person alive who didn't know Jean-Luc Picard. Even if you are persona non grata, people would be like, oh, it's the traitor, or it's the, the dude who killed all those people. Or is that like, there's a sense of infamy 
that you would have versus just like, oh, everyone's just mad at him. So we got to spend the good first like six episodes getting everyone back on board. And then, you know, like you don't really know this crew or these people that he's teaming up with. So you just can go, yeah, all right, whatever. I could take you like it and we leave it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, was, I was like, who are you, Raffy? I don't know who you are. And then, <laughs> yeah, that was, it was interesting. I think one of the biggest mistakes that the first season makes is it doesn't like give us enough cameos from the original series cast. Like the whole time. Now, granted, Riker does show up. Troy does show up. It's awesome when they do. But like the whole time I was like, where's Worf? Where's Jordy? Where is everyone who would just like be glad to come and help Picard. I know that he's makes that point of saying like I got to do this myself. I need a new crew. I can't add, I can't put this on the you know my old crew. But that's all I wanted. I know it's called Picard, but in my mind, what really this what this was was a make good for how bad Star Trek Nemesis is. If you like that movie, that's great. I'm glad. I you know I like a bunch of stuff that sucks. Welcome to the club. <laughs> yep. He definitely does, folks. He definitely does. But, like, uh, that movie was not good. And it was... Yeah. And what's even worse is it was the last. It was the official send-off to the Next Generation crew, and they deserved so much more. Oh, yeah. You're not going to get any argument out of me. If that if they would have just left it off a of Nemesis, and that would have been it. I'd look for any and all other supplemental material to look for some form of solace. Yeah, some sort of closure. Yeah. Uh, it was, they just did them. Regardless of how you feel or how I even feel about like the next-gen crew, they did them dirty with Nemesis. They truly did. It was not... Uh, oh, 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 oh. Get the and the fact thing, that the movie was so bad and they killed Data... Which was just another like mind-boggling thing, um, and they they literally had the audacity to introduce B four, which was like this sort of data point five was like easily not as good as data, and then they were like, okay, yeah, this is it, and this is all you get. Yeah, he's replaced by this kind of like copy of himself, but it's not really the same anyway. Bye. This is for us. See you later was a travesty. So the more I like sat through season three, I liked the new characters. I liked the, some of the story elements, but at the end of the day, when it was all said and done, even though data is a huge part, of course, of this story. um, And it's kind of meant to give you closure there. The ending just is, it just takes all the wind out of the sails of the series. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. It's Truly. um, yeah. It wasn't. I mean, not only does that happen, but then like you move into the next one, you go like, oh, this this is this is how we're starting here this time around. Well, the, one of the reasons why that was is that when Michael uh, Chambon was Chabon, Michael Chabon was uh was the showrunner. The intention was it would only run for one season. And I think the original intention was, I don't have anything to back this up, but I'm pretty sure the original intention was uh, that they were going to kill Picard at the end. And he would sacrifice himself and then, you know, 
Data's daughters would live on and he would have honored Data and Data would have passed away. This sort of like echo of Data that exists in this mind space uh, would have died and then Picard would have died and that would have been it. You know, it would have been this grand finale. Uh, but they were like, whoa, people like this. W- w- let's make another season. <laughs> All right, you're out of here, Shaban. <laughs> And we got to figure out some way to write, you know, write ourselves out of this hole. And they're like, okay, so he gets a this synthetic body, uh, but it can age, and it has all the frailties of a person his age. But it is a robot. But you, you know, but it's all made in flesh and blood. And no one can tell the difference. And it's basically the same thing anyway. Reset to square one. Bye. <laughs> that is, that is true. Kind of like it does everything your current body will do. No crazy arguments. I'm like. Really? I'm 94-year-old Picard. I'm like, hook me up with, like, all the augments. <laughs> Seriously. I, okay, I would like to live forever, please, and I want that data super strength. Uh, and it, maybe look younger, please. Yeah, <laughs> dude, Bert, I'll give, give me, like, you know, when I was, like, on the start of the Starship Enterprise, not, like, afterwards. I'll get, get, get some of these wrinkles out, and... um. Yeah, if you could give me that computational brain too, like I'll take that. I'll take an upgrade. <laughs> Seriously, okay. it's like, oh uh, yeah, we're gonna give you a robot body with none of the benefits of having a robot body, and it it felt like such a contrived writing device to get them back where they needed to be for season two to to happen. That it just like it it took all the seriousness and stakes out of the rest of the season, and I think in retrospect, like. Because it exists, it makes the previous episodes worse because you know where it's going. Yeah. I mean, at that point, it's just, I mean, I guess it since those scenes were probably shot after they did the initial series anyway, or they probably did reshoots or something like that. I Quite see possibly. Them. Yeah. I mean, I could see them being like, ooh, let's, uh, let's, uh, we got retcon this because people like the Picard after all. <laughs> like who knew let's let's just good news picard has a new body but it's exactly like his old one but without that weird thing in his brain good news <laughs> yeah and it turns out data has two identical daughters that he did a painting of uh that's in a vault that he uh uh, didn't finish or something. And then Bruce Maddox made the daughters, but they're really Data's daughter. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> the whole, I mean, the premise is like uh, a, a mysterious woman comes to the Chateau Picard, uh, doesn't really know why she's there, but has been drawn to, to, to see Picard and knows that only he can uh, help her. Uh, she, of course being somebody that we just uh, have like a Jason Bourne moment where she gets like activated and uh, just kills the crap out of a bunch of uh, Romulan uh, people who are there to get her. Um, and uh, and so he, 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 I think she, she dies. Yeah. And so but he realizes, oh, hey, there's another, there's a, she has a twin and now he has to go find the twin figure it out and uh and he recruits a ragtag group of uh of new buddies uh consisting of uh uh captain rios who is cool 
and the La Serena, which is a, a pretty cool ship, albeit not a very Star trek ship. Yeah, it's, it very much was like, oh, that's a cool Babylon 5 ship. Or, yeah. <laughs> that's a real, I've seen that in Battlestar Galactica. It looks neat. But yeah, definitely it's definitely, not, it's definitely a, a, tr- a troop transport from Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, it definitely is not a Star Trek ship. No, it, no. well, I, I like the, it kind of has things that sort of look like nacelles, but the cavernous interior seems very strange uh, to me anyway. Um, I mean that, the lack of any sort of real console for the most part, like there's a couple of them, but he's just doing all the holographic stuff. I'm just like, uh yeah really? the the whole that's one of the that's the thing I, I you know i'm a i like discovery i'm a discovery fan the the worst thing i think discovery ever did was have those uh those uh floating holographic displays i think those are terrible i really think they there's like there's a aspect of star trek that involves like practicality and and tactic like something that is like tactile um that is just missing from the whole floating hologram. And I, I really don't like it when people like put their hands out in front of them and are like manipulating uh, like steering devices that are also holographic. I feel like that is also, it just feels disconnected and bad. Yeah, no, I, well, I mean, it's also, it's like, how tough can this be that he can do it with one hand? Yeah, you know, like sure. most of the time he's yeah. just doing this like with his right hand. Like, I'm like, really? What mm-hmm. a what a what a technology jump from <laughs> from Nemesis to this point that they were pretty much like, we don't really need these uh, actual controls or whatever or standards. Yeah, I mean, the ship is the ship is fine. It's not very memorable, and you know, I feel like maybe that was really the point. Because they're like, you're not supposed to focus on the ship. You're supposed to focus on the man. That's why it's called Picard. Sure. But uh, we get one, not a former cast member of TNG, but we get a Voyager cast member at Jerry Ryan, Seven of Nine, returns uh, in Picard, as well as the aforementioned Raffi, uh, one of uh, Picard's former crewmates, but off screen. This all happened, uh, you know, like when we after. were away. Yes, yeah. it all happened after <laughs> Nemesis. Uh, so she's a brand new character, all things, uh, you know, said and done. And then, of course, the scientist Agnes Gerardi, uh, Bruce Maddox. Bruce Maddox is is a character from Measure of a Man, which is a TNG episode about if Data is a sentient life form or an appliance. Um, and he was someone who was studying Data, so he comes back. That's another callback, which was pretty cool. But, of course, he doesn't get that much screen time. Because he is killed by Agnes. <laughs> because Agnes is a, a sleeper agent set forth by a, a Romulan cult of, like, technophobes? It, well, very specific technophobes. They yes. care about nine-tenths of the technology except for artificial. Yes. Like, like synthetics. It, synthetics, specifically, yeah. And I guess that was because eons and eons ago... There's some sort of prophecy, yeah. Prophecy that might have happened or might not have happened. And that kind of, I don't know, felt a little wishy-washy there, but they're so afraid of it happening that they go out of their way to, like, hunt down synthetics. Yeah, and it's sort of a race against time. Uh, Oh, I almost forgot to mention Elnor, the easily the best character 
that they introduced in season one of Picard and then totally forget about in season two, uh, kind of kill him off screen and then he comes back and then in season three, never going to talk about him anymore. Well, season three felt like, hey, we're going to forget like a lot of that stuff happened in the last two seasons. Like, don't like it happened, but we're going to act like we really don't it, like it didn't happen for the most part. Yeah, they definitely they de- yeah, they definitely disregard a lot. Like I could um, see I could see where like everyone was just like, oh, yeah, you don't even need to watch season one and two. just watch three. You'll be fine. Because 95% of the characters introduced in those two seasons don't even come over. It's true. <laughs> it's just yeah. Raffi. Yeah. Um, and uh, they introduced the XBs, which are X-Borgs, uh, Seven of Nine being one of them. We get the return of Hugh. Hugh is from TNG. Uh, he is the Borg that uh, was sort of adopted by the Enterprise crew and achieved a kind of independence and then was released sort of uh, back into the collective uh, to, um, and all, I guess retained his individual individuality. He comes back, I think, in a later episode as well. Um, but it brought Hugh back, immediately killed him. That was terrible. <laughs> and then... There's a very gory death of this, uh, of Echeb. If anyone remembers uh, uh, that character from Voyager, it was one of the uh, the Borg kids that is adopted by the Voyager crew. Echeb, uh, you know, earned a place on the actual, as a show regular for a while. Uh, they recast him for Picard and, like, killed him in one of the goriest scenes I've seen in Star Trek easily. Uh, where they remove his eye implant uh, while he is still alive and uh, uh, kicking. That's nasty. That's right. That did it. Yeah, some of it was pretty gross. Yeah. Yeah, that was one of them. But Elnor of fucking rules. Uh, I mean, sure. I uh, sure. Yeah, the the whole like the world building of uh, the uh, Kawat Malat is 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 very cool. Uh, the warrior nuns who only take on lost causes and prefer to use swords instead of guns. That's cool as hell. Sure, 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 sure. I feel like I've lost you, but, uh, in my opinion, cool as hell. I mean, look, I was happy to see the little kid learn how to fight. And then I was like, oh, okay, you use the sword. Well, I mean, you look, I can't give you too much crap. Worf uses a bad left when he gets a chance so melee weapons all the way but i was just like too a little too much i I felt like a little too much kung fu in my uh, star trek i don't know i I thought he was uh he was like blade but in star trek and i'm i'm here for it uh liked it that's right (laughs) blade that's where you went with elnor blade (laughs) Well, yes, you know, the swords are kind of similar looking and they both have like that uh, ability to um that you know, they both have that situation where enemies always underestimate them and well, yeah. then they like disappear and then they reappear and they've cut everyone's head off, you know, that kind of Yeah, cool guess who move. guess who I'm underestimating too? A dude with a sword when I got a thing that shoots a beam of light out of it and can do all sorts of things to uh, to a body. Yeah, well, that's your last mistake when you when you meet Eldor. 
uh, I mean, I don't know. Like, I feel like if I had a phaser and we were in a hallway, I'm taking Elnor out. Like, I just <laughs> need, like, th- a I mean, good, like, so. six feet. Yeah, I need a good six feet. Elnor's going down. Like, I, I don't mean, that's need... what everyone thinks. And then they are, but they're all dead. Well, they're dead, but I, and so is Elnor, which proves my point. Um, not I really. feel like, I feel <laughs> like Elnor doesn't die until we, uh, until they take his sword away. He joins Starfleet and then he dies. Well, that was his first problem. I don't know. I ain't joining Starfleet. I'm going to join something else. Yeah. He's, aren't you already Kawat Malat? Come on, buddy. Yeah. Like, it's not. Talk about lost causes, am I right, Starfleet? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, you're not wrong. The admirals there are constantly evil. They're, they're uh, so evil. And you then, gotta, every time you see an admiral, you're just like, how is this person going to turn out to be a, a changeling or evil or what? Something. And then the other part, the, the, the big thing that got me was the whole, like, the Borg reclamation site. Ah, uh, yes, the artifact. The artifact. And I'm just like, you know, you just didn't just say, hey, guess what we're going to do with that board cube? Uh, we're just going to blow it up. No, they could figure out how the board work. It, it's no. a good idea. I, that drives me nuts. You, you ask Tanya, be like, how many times did John say, it's always the fucking Borg? When watching this, like it, even, I don't even need much Borg and I'm like, Oh God damn it. This is the Borg yet again. It's well, you can't have Borg. a, you can't have a show about Picard and not include the Borg. I don't uh, need it for three seasons. Sorry. Cause he was of course, uh, he was of course locutus of Borg. I, so it's a big part of his, his, uh, background. I get it. I really do, but I don't need it. I don't need it every, I don't need them always being the impetus for something. That's the that's my favorite part about Star Trek is you can come up with a bunch of crazy other things. But the minute they found the Borg, what the minute they found Star Trek's Wolverine, they're like, we're going to milk the shit out of this thing. And I was just like, oh, come on. You're going to tell me you're going to leave this cube out? No one would do that. This thing would be the most heavily guarded, don't touch it, or we just blow it the fuck up. Or heaven forbid what happened in the second season which made me go like Starfleet allowed that to happen, which was allow them like all the ships to talk to each other by using Borg tech. Oh, that's was, the third season you're thinking. <laughs> no, they mentioned that shit in the second season. And then in the third season, it comes to fruition. They talk yeah. about like them all linking up before. And that kind of happens in the second. And then the third season, you see it all go down and just like, yeah, I wonder why integrating board tech is not a good thing. Well, you know, you'd think after, if you were going to watch the whole second season, which of course involves time travel, yeah. uh, Brent Spiner playing yet another character, um, Picard's family being very important to space travel, <laughs> and uh, and Q dying, which is, ugh. I'm so glad they retconned that. Uh, in the third season of Picard, because uh, that was my easily my least favorite part of Picard season two. Picard season two, a very weird departure for the show, uh, because Allison Pills, Agnes Gerardi, instead of kind of becoming one of the crew proper, even though she got really off the hook for brutally murdering her ex-boyfriend <laughs> under the, the influence of a Romulan mind meld. Um, but... 
all that being said, the fact that she is like possessed by the Borg Queen, mm-hmm. uh, and then becomes the Borg Queen, a very mm-hmm. goofy looking Borg Queen. They really did her <laughs> no favors. Uh, when they show when they finally reveal, because that's the big twist. The they get a Picard's on the Stargazer 2.0, that's helmed by Captain Rios, uh, still chomping on cigars on the uh, on the uh, on the bridge of uh, the Stargazer. Stargazer, of course, was John Jean Luc Picard's uh, his first sort of notable assignment. Mm-hmm. This is the new ship called the Stargazer, and they go out there. And it all goes to shit when the Borg attacks. Whoopsie doopsie. This is a big old ship they got. And uh and just as you think that the your whole the Picard is blowing up the ship with everyone on it, uh they're transported to an alternate future where things are not great. Yep, and then you're just getting Q shenanigans. Yeah, and Q says, Hey, you gotta go back and fix it. I'm gonna send you a back you're gonna go back we're gonna fix it well i mean he q doesn't send it back but but they figured out they if they figured out well just warp slingshot around a a sun and then we'll hit the perfect uh we use the borg queen to the compute the exact time we need the drop off yeah we're gonna hang her up in the back like a hellraiser movie (laughs) yeah i mean that's what i was gonna say i was gonna say like jurati's Borg Queen look just look like it's inspired by Cenobites. Uh, yeah, but it has like her. They left her face largely un- and unchanged, so it just kind of seems like they they didn't finish the makeup. Oh I, uh, yeah, when the helmet's on, sure, great, then looks, looks fine, great. looks great. The helmet comes off, it's like you did her dirty. You <laughs> you did her real dirty <laughs> for no reason. Uh, yeah, and, and in this in the season two, we find out that like. One of uh, one of uh, Soong's relatives uh, in the past, uh, aka our near future, uh, also had a daughter who looks just like Soji from the first season. Uh, again, you know, one of the highlights of the first season, I think, was um, was the performance by uh, Issa. Brion, Brionis, Isa Brionis. Um, yeah, it sounds good to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> fair uh, enough. Yeah, I think. I mean, yeah, she did a great job. I actually think a lot of. I think the new cast was great. Like yeah. for the most part, like everyone had their own personalities. They did their thing, and yeah, she was a standout for it. I, they I, never I really. Her. I felt like they really never gave a Raffi's character a chance to grow or be anything. They really didn't uh, know what to do with hers. I felt like for the first two seasons, yes. I think the third season, I think they kind of figured it out. And it was probably yeah. a little too late. And, but better. But, but better, better. In, the th- in the third season, for sure. Yeah, yeah, Um, But it was just a wacky episode. There was so much of it was done in the past, which felt like a budget decision. Yeah. Uh, and then like they have this, they really did Will Wheaton dirty in the second season. He is, he makes a brief cameo. He is, of course, uh, we left him in TNG. He had become, he had gone off with the alien being called the traveler who uh, travels through all space and time. 
and Will Wheaton shows up, not even interacting with any of the other cast members, surely shot in reshoots or, like, in some other place, and he just, like, meets uh, uh, Issa Briones in, like, a a park and it's like, Hey, you want to be a traveler too? And she's like, sure. Let's get here. And they just write her off the fucking show. Yeah. We gotta, we gotta get you out of the timeline. Let's go. Yep. <laughs> just pooch you right off the show. Especially when they just did shoot that shit in front of like the mall down in LA. Oh yeah. No, that was a hundred percent. The botanical gardens yeah. and just like oh, by a gazebo. It was just the worst. Yeah, no. I mean, it, it really did feel like someone said, oh, fuck, we forgot. We need to put them in the show. Okay, let's get them in real quick. We can we can kind of do a little reshoot over here, and we'll be we'll be okay. We got to get them in the episode. Yeah, the fact that he didn't fucking meet with Picard or show up and be like, hey, Q, or any of this, like anything else. Yeah, he did get done dirty. Yeah. This- to the point where in the third season – Picard's got like Beverly's got a new son, and they mention Wes once. <laughs> He's, she's like, I've moved on. Well, it's like I lost my one son to the stars. I'm not gonna lose the other. I was like, oh, oh, man. oh. So he's just gone. Okay, okay. Well, that's that'd have been nice to have him have him aboard one more go. Why not? But they also the the. The ending of uh, Captain Rios's story is like depressing and terrible. <laughs> it's it is very stupid. Like I, Captain Rios is one of my favorite parts of the new cast. I uh, I really loved his whole deal. I love that he had like holograms of himself as his crewmates on his ship. Uh, it's the close. It's easily the closest that Star Trek has ever gotten to like a believable facsimile for Han Solo. And uh, at the end, like, yeah, he meets someone and falls in love, and that's great. But then they're like, <laughs> after he dies, or after they go to the future, uh, I feel like it's it's Guinan who is just like, hey, you know, Rios, he used to come in here all the time, and and then he died in a bar fight. Chomping on a cigar, <laughs> his last breaths were into a cigar, and it's just like that sucks. What do you mean? Do you mean that? <laughs> like that kid lost his surrogate dad, and like he just died in the past in a bar fight. That sucks. That's not. I feel like you're telling it like a story where we should be like, oh, cool. That feels exactly like how you'd want to go out. Yeah. No, I, it sucks. Yeah, especially like I, you know. Like, yeah, he liked to live fast and, you know, the the 2024, like, are now kind of suited his personality a little better, I guess. But ain't no one is like, you know, no one, even Worf is not sitting in a bar fight after getting stabbed going like, today is a good day to die. And light up this sweet stogie. Yeah, let me smoke this as I'm dying, bleeding. No, no, that is not a. No, don't listen. Listen to John here, folks. Don't die in a bar fight. Yeah. Also, like if you had said, oh, you know, he was his last words were I love you to his his wife and held his his surrogate child uh, as he as he passed on. 
And it's just like, no, he died. He got into a bar fight and fucking got stabbed to death. And then he smoked a cigar while he died. <laughs> cool. Cool ending. Yeah. Somebody wrote that was just like, oh, people are going to love this. They'll be sad, but they'll be like, oh, that Rios, what a man's man. It's going to be so cool. He, he died in a bar fight. He died he in a honky tonk. In- <laughs> he was reading the most recent issue of Maxim and puffing on his cigar. Yep. That's right. He died. Uh, and he was watching Spike TV. Yep. Drinking whiskey out of a broken glass. That's right. His body. <laughs> he was he was drinking. He was drinking wild turkey out of a broken Coors b- b- bottle. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Real manly man. Yep. <laughs> The last thing he said as he breathed his last words were, Are you ready for some football? <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, when that season ended, I was just like, Oh, Jesus. This is like, especially when they were, they took the Borg, which have always been, I mean, you're right. They kind of overused them. I hope they give them a break after this so we don't kind of run into the Borg that much. Uh, in the other Star Trek programs, um, but boy, like the end where they're, Agnes is like, "Cool, well, I'm the queen of the Borg now, and the Bo- Borg are good, and we're mm-hmm. just gonna s- sit out here and watch this wormhole forever." Uh, later, <laughs> it's like that's weird. This feels strange. It feels so strange that when you start the third season. That wormhole and all that shit is uh, not being talked about at all. No, uh, Captain <laughs> Shaw makes one mention of it and to dismiss it. He's like, uh, I don't know what's going on with that other group of weird Borg, but the real ones are still out there, and he's right. Yeah. Now, I yeah. was here's the thing. So, season three starts. Season three, I think, it to me, objectively, is the best of the three. Not a high bar to clear, really considering how the other ones were kind of the first one uneven but had good parts the second one there's some fun stuff in there i think there are fun individual scenes agnes being possessed by the borg queen and doing that whole song and dance number that's fun yeah sure sure um seeing a lot of john delancey as q is also fun even though he's just like but god you are my best friend I'm so glad you're here when I'm about to die. And he only ever tormented him. It was a piece of shit. So are you supposed... Like, are we supposed to feel bad for him? Either way, it was fun to see him. Uh, But then, like, season three, you know, there was some question. There may have been a few questionable scenes, but overall was was just uh, firing on all cylinders was good. And it did what I wanted the whole time, which is, like, I wanted to see some more of the gang back together. Yep. Yep, yep. No, I I was... I mean, so here, I'll just jump ahead real quick. A lot of people I talked to said, man, I wish this is just what the, sh- the whole, you know, the three seasons. Including sh- me. Right? And I... On the surface, I understand that. I'm glad it is just one season because then it wouldn't feel as special. Be af- especially after watching those two seasons like like back to back the way i did i was like oh finally having the old crew back together what a, what a re- relief 
this is the type of adventures that I want them to go on. But I'm happy that like I got to save that morsel for three, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that you're. I think that that is not a necessarily a bad take. But what I will say is that they could have at least sprinkled these cameos throughout and led up to this monumental coming together. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, agree. That, I mean, because like, they really, like I said, they had a lot of, they did introduce characters that I grew to like a lot. But then they just killed them off or wrote them off or just made these bizarre decisions to not have them on the show anymore. Well, I mean, it, well, I, it felt like the second season was like, we know we're getting a third and we're going to, we're, we're going to need to spend to get all the old actors together. So uh, we're going to have to kill like all of them, except, uh, the Raffi, 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 we can afford Raffi. We can get Raffi. <laughs> yeah. And the you, third season. Raffi and seven develop a relationship in the second season. So it makes sense to bring her back, uh, for the third uh even though they don't they address it a little bit they don't really evolve that relationship all that much but like you said it's more about the returning cast uh like to me you could like seasons one and two could have been like half the episodes jammed into like you know wherever they fell in the actual episode order and they could have gotten start with this building to this one earlier of course that would have that would have pre uh required them to actually know where they were going which clearly they didn't because <laughs> like, like i said three seasons three different showrunners this last one terry metallis was like i the, i know what people want he, well when i was sitting there saying someone likes star trek someone didn't like star trek and someone really likes star trek that's kind of what i meant right like yeah. each one of these people felt like you get a sense of it but this terry metallis mm-hmm was like, oh no, you like Star Trek a lot. And yeah. I could tell, and it's fun, and you got rid of all the bullshit that like the the other two seasons, like like the intros and stuff, you know, look, we rag on Enterprise a lot because the intro's bad. But even Picard, even if you try not to tag it with Star Trek and just call it Picard or whatever, I want like a Star Trek intro and this one it's like no fuss, no muss, get you right in there. Here's the next gen font. This is what you all want. So I'm just going to make sure I'm like, that's what we're giving you. That's what it felt like Terry was saying to yeah. all the fans. You're going to get everything that you want. Cause I, I hear you. I hear you. I watched the other two seasons. Wasn't a fan. I'm going to give you what you want. Yeah, it definitely felt that way. And I think not any like bear, uh, Michael, wait, was it Michael Giacino or Bear McCreary, I think, who did the, I think it was Bear McCreary who did the first, uh, the first season of Picard. Both, like, really accomplished composers, but, I mean, I would, I mean, I don't envy anyone having to, uh, follow Jerry Goldsmith, who just made just crazy memorable theme songs one after the other. I don't, I mean, yeah, go back to that one. That's the, I, or at least, like, try to give, copy it. Or give me, like, do what they did in this, which, like, the end credits, they had some new music, and then they just inject it with, here's your next-gen stands, the, the, the exciting part that you all know. Boom, give us a taste of that, versus, like, this really, like, six feet under 
pushing daisies kind of intro, you know, like this meant to be a more heady style, like uh theme song and intro to this show. Like it was yeah. like, I it just, Lots that's of visual metaphors. Yeah. And I was just like, Oh, and I mean, especially like the second season one it was like, Oh, here's now this is the, uh, this is the, greenhouse with the glass breaking you see and it's all right the shards you're like oh okay guess what i did after i watched that the watch it the first time i'm gonna skip it every subsequent time you're not keeping <laughs> me hooked this ain't the peacemaker intro you're not keeping me hooked to watch it all the time i'm not, I'm, I'm not listening or looking at it every single time jeff yeah, russo I'm, by the way was the uh the theme music composer for the first and second season i mean look he knows music better than I do, but just give me, just give me what I want. Give me the nostalgia hit, shoot it, you know, shoot it through my veins. And this is exactly what you get with season three. For sure. Yeah. For and sure. it was even like a, uh, it was a, uh, a musical hint about what the season would actually be about because that end credits you mentioned were actually, is actually the version of the next generation theme from first contact. So they were even hinting, hey, the Bullock are going to be part of it. Uh, but, uh, you know, I was so captivated um, with Amanda Plummer's performance that I didn't even think about the Borg. Also, I'm just like, hell yeah, changelings are back. Deep Space Nine reference, I'm here for it. Yeah, I mean... You know, you know, it, it, it takes a lot of credit for a next gen show to be like, let's pull the, probably the more interesting storylines from deep space Nine and bring it in here. That's all I'm saying. That's all yeah. I'm saying. That's, I thought that was like, great, perfect. You get it. Pull the most interesting stories that they've done right here. Give it to us. With but Vatic was great, right? One of the top TV villains, uh, in recent memory. Oh yeah. Easy, easy like scary unhinged but like like deadly wickedly clever that's what you're looking for like yeah. you're, you're looking for someone that like scares you and in this instance not in a traditional way right not like like scary but not like someone who you would look at and maybe be like oh like i'm like physically imposed but like no fucking creepy and methodical and you know the ship was cool when it was just like armed to the brim with all this stuff you know like and then like this whole like changeling super plot and i was just like oh my god this is so dope this is this is exactly what i want and then like uh captain shaw the dickhead captain who you're not meant to like was is like that's the level of dickheadery that i want in starfleet just give me one of those guys yeah, and it was it tied back to uh it tied back to TNG uh cuz he was at Wolf 359, you know, he he was a victim of Lacutus, so it makes sense that he is has like he's carrying a grudge for all these this old guard, especially when the the the, the crew, you know, Riker and uh Picard and the crew of the the TNG were very much like they kind of did whatever they want and they the audience expects them to be able to do whatever they want so having him be the foil having him be the the person who's just like you're like you're relics and you're putting everyone in danger 
and you're actually kind of a, a, guy, a person who killed a, a ton of people and never, at least in, in the mind of Shaw, was ever held accountable for it, I think was uh, was a terrific story choice. And I actually ended up really loving Shaw. <laughs> I, did, I hated him at the start, but by the... the by the time he, you know, got taken out, I was on board. Well, they gave you a character arc. You they got, really did. You got to follow him through it, and you kind of understand where his disdain, where his dickheadery comes from. You get it, and that is why, like, yeah, I enjoyed him, because that's what I'm looking for. Like, I'm looking for, like, these characters that have these moments and whatever. Like, the one thing I'll say about the Picard series and allowing for cussing is that cussing was meant for Riker. And yeah. I'm so happy every time he'd curse, I'd be like, <laughs> yes, he's, he's doing his thing. He should be cursing all the time. Because that's what I, <laughs> he's got that face. He's got that cursing face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and I mean, I did, three, season three was really like just super enjoyable. I was happy that I walked, went through one and two, um, just that to have that context that there is a bar that is better. <laughs> and you know, season three did not disappoint. I stayed up late to finish the last two episodes. Like I didn't go to sleep till one in the morning because I was like, oh fuck it, I gotta, I got to now. So we're in the end game, Tony. I just <laughs> mixing my uh, genres up, but. I had to just dive right in there because I just really enjoyed it. And uh, I mean, Worf, Worf is my boy. So like, oh, seeing like pacifist Worf and he was perfect, like dead on perfect. He looks Ooh. great. Yeah. Too. Yeah. I wish, I wish I could age as gracefully as Michael Dorn has. Well, you know, I don't, you know, this, this kind of lifestyle takes a lot of, uh, work and money to get right, but I do hear he is a vegan, and so all that clean living has really uh has really paid off. He looks like, and he looks terrific with that white hair, yeah. like the white wharf with white hair. He looks incredible. Plus, they wrote the shit out of that character. He is perfectly wharf, and his the the fun his like laugh lines work every time. They hit like crazy. Yeah, no, he, like, perfect. It was perfect wharf. It's like everything that you wanted in a wharf, right? Because that was, so that was my big thing between, like, say, Next Gen and Deep Space Nine, mm -hmm. is I like the wharf we got through Deep Space Nine because they finally gave him space um, to become an actual, like, character character with, like, a lot more depth, I feel. that That's one of my big things. But, like, every time I see Worf, I'm, I'm looking for, like, perfect Worfisms. This one was perfect. Like, they got him great, and, like, he had a great arc where, you know, he's the ra Rage Hall addict for a long time and then learning to balance it out and becoming the family, and then now, like, this kind of, like, zen pacifist version. Is yeah, like the, who works the, for Starfleet Intelligence, which is a very cool uh, yeah. Yeah. change for him. Yeah, God, I'm just trying to remember what was he had this one line in there that I just absolutely died. Oh, oh how was, could you pick just one? I, I mean, shit. When he was asleep at the end, that fucking I was like, oh, that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like, 
<laughs> right? Yeah, he's, he got shot like a ton of times. Should he be asleep? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's a doctor. She'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. It was, and I mean, even the inclusion of the, I mean, the, the worst telegraph thing to me was like, uh, Jack Crusher. I was like, oh, that's Picard's kid. Right. Oh, sure. They uh, cast him, they cast him so well. They he cast- looks like Picard's kid. Yeah, he, he it was weird. He kept bu- he kept bugging me a little bit cuz I kept thinking I was like, is that that dude from Kingsman? <laughs> I don't think it is. No, it's not at all, but I kept looking I was like, is that the dude from King? They got the Kingsman. Oh no, it's not. So another <laughs> guy kind of looks like him. Yeah, but I mean, I was just like, oh, well, everyone else seems to have a kid or something, so of course they had the they give him his since we ignored his space Romulan uh, kung fu artist. Uh, son Elnor. Yeah, yeah, no, he's gone. <laughs> he's gone. He was, so. He's dead, and then he was alive, and then we forgot about him. Yeah, uh, like... never to be mentioned again. Uh, same thing with Lo- uh, Laris uh, at the start of season three. It's just like, oh, will I ever see you again? And she's like, no. Twenty three skidoo. It's like, yeah. yes, they finally got together at the end of season two, and then the end of season three. It's like you've. Sorry, you have to make way for Beverly. Beverly's <laughs> coming back and she's my number one. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, the, the you know, the will they, won't they. Uh, and uh, they did. They did. Oh, yeah. Especially right after Data died. <laughs> <laughs> they absolutely did. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so I thought, I thought Jack Crusher was great. I think there's... The whole new cast was great. Like, everyone new on the show was... It's so weird. They only had one season to build them up, which, again, is why I wish they were these characters were introduced a little bit earlier so we could have spent more time with them. But, um, you know, Sidney LaForge, Crash LaForge, uh, was, was a great character. Uh, uh, and, of course, Jack Crusher. And then, eventually, Captain... Uh, Captain uh, Hanson or Seven, they uh, you know Shaw made her made Seven of Nine refer to herself in her human name because he is so such a Borg racist. Yep. But uh, I liked all of the like I would I would totally I know it's not their fans are trying to will into existence the the show that they have dubbed Star Trek or uh, Terry Metalis is really dubbed Star Trek Legacy. Uh, which would be the continuation of this show, but, you know, focusing on the new crew and maybe the, you know, Picard could do a cameo now and then. Um, That's not, no one has, it's not in production. No one has announced it, but everyone's acting like it's a foregone conclusion. I hope it is, but I don't know if it'll ever happen. But I would watch the shit out of that show because I thought all the new characters they introduced were great. Yeah, I'd be good with the new characters. Yeah, I'd be good. I'd be good with that. I don't know if I like I don't want to use the original crew. No, this was their perfect send out. The way that they end on that poker game is perfect. Was perfect. I can't imagine them like this is where it needs to end. And it's a a well-earned and beautiful ending for uh, for a crew that really earned it and was done very badly by the the by Nemesis. So this feels like. It feels like justice, you know, in a way. 
Oh yeah, no, like I mean, it was so Nemesis was so bad. It was just like, sort of like a. It was you know I don't know Tom Hardy. Great sure. Bane. Sure. sure. <laughs> yes, I'm a Romulan. Don't you know <laughs> me? I think I'm, he was a, a Reman. Yeah. Well, he was, well, wasn't he a wasn't he a clone of Picard? He was a clone of Picard that was raised by the Remans. Yeah. The, a... the 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 weird offshoot of Romulans, I guess, that we never saw before, but they have psychic powers and so does that guy. I don't know. Picard gets cloned a lot, it seems like. <laughs> He's a lot that, of versions of Picard around. Everyone, everyone wants that fucking well, I mean shit, you see as good as Patrick Stewart looks and being like eighty three years old. Yeah, you can give me some of that Patrick Stewart. Uh, DNA too. I take I take one of those bodies compared to the one I got right now. <laughs> I'm sure he's a lot healthier, but I mean, preferably give me the Dorn body. You know what I'm saying? Like hook a hook a brother up. Give me a give me. But I don't want to do the vegan thing, so I'm not going to do that. But uh, <laughs> I did that for uh, four months. So I'm not gonna, I didn't I didn't yeah. end up looking like Michael Dorn at the end of it. So <laughs> I stopped. I mean, yeah. yeah. It's a couple. It's like probably more, a little more than the diet, but uh, you know, whatever. Uh, but like I, the, I don't know. Uh, like I, I really want this new season or this new series to happen. I agree. It shouldn't include all the. Uh, this is a great ending. For, let's just leave it at this. Let's close the book. Um, yeah, but uh, probably not gonna happen. I mean, look, if you're gonna give me the adventures of Captain seven with a, a jack crusher uh you know uh fucking and special uh, consult uh, uh console yeah which is they're like uh you were a borg once i guess you can't like have a real role so you're gonna be you're you're gonna help her human i don't i don't really know what that role is but i would watch that for sure yeah but if not a wonderful send-off for the next gen crew and honestly, like season three is a real nice send off to like multiples. Though one of the most touching things I thought uh, was at the uh, it's the last episode of season three when you hear President Anton Chekhov right talking, and then I was just like, when I was watching, I was like, wait a minute, wasn't the actor who played Chekhov in the Abrams wasn't his real name Anton? Uh-huh. And then Anton I was, Yelchin. Yeah, and I was like, oh, you know, I felt so bad because he was wonderful in those movies and the, you know, the pass away the way he did was so horrible. But the fact that they honored him in this while also have a, having Walter Koenig do the voice was just of like... his son, yeah. Of his son. Grand, grandson, I think. It was just wonderful. Like, I was just like, that is exactly what I'm, like, looking for in this. And that was so touching and for those who know know and for those who don't know don't but it was yeah. just like it, it was like a nice reward if you paid attention even you know even as kind of like on the sidelines as i did for next gen and stuff it was it was wonderful it was great yeah i th i totally agree and yeah man whew. anton yelchin his passing was shocking and horrifying uh Nice to get a shout out on the show, and again, nice to sort of uh, cross those streams, acknowledge that the these two timelines exist. Um, 
and uh, just honor the both. I think that's fun. But uh, yeah, I uh, how about seeing the Enterprise D with modern effects flying around, being the thing that it always this is what it always looked like in my head when they would describe you know. Plenty of those episodes of TNG, they didn't have the effects budget to show the exterior of the ship. So they'd just be like, execute evasion pattern alpha, delta Riker 7. And like they would, and I would just imagine like them swooping around and doing all this amazing stuff. <laughs> Trust us, I'm, it's happening. Oh, it's it really amazing. Is. Oh, if you could only see outside. Yes. Yeah. You would be so impressed. It was just incredible to see that ship doing that. Uh, doing basically an Empire Strikes Back, uh, like, you know, fly through the innards of the Death Star to blow it up type thing, except in Star Trek was just one of the highlights of the, the last few years, I think. Is my life sad? Is that sad? No. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. No, that's, that's totally cool. Yeah, of course. I mean, that was the worst part. Like, I even having uh, LaForge run the museum, which is like kind of perfect. Yeah, and, Commodore right? For Commodore LaForge, Commodore LaForge, and the 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 nice touch of showing all the ships, getting the musical stings from each one of those shows when they show the ship. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, that's kind of that's a nice touch. And I said, I bet you in one of them hangers is the D, and he's been rebuilding it. And then a few <laughs> episodes later, it's like, I got this, by the way. And I was like, of course. Of course he did. Of course he did. But Just like a retired dad would. He's yeah. wrenching on his hot rod in the <laughs> on its uh, off time. Yeah, a giant ship. Fortunately, you know, it's the 24th century, so... Probably got some robots can help you too, but like. Oh yeah, yeah, and there's no concept of money, so like the sky's the limit in terms of like when you're uh, the commodore of the Starfleet Museum, especially when he's like, oh yeah, we had to recover the saucer section from the place that it crashed in Star Trek Generations, and then we put it basically on the body of another Galaxy class <laughs> and then retrofitted it, so it's just like uh, the Enterprise D that we we remember, but man, did it look good with like modern materials and stuff like how shiny those nacelles were. I was like, ooh, just gives me the chills just thinking about it. Yeah, and when it's doing the, yeah, when it's going through like the, the, the yeah, the inside of the Borg ship and it's just like dodging all those things. It looks, it looks dope. And the, like the fact you got like a, a, a fully realized data who cares and has feelings like, I know I can do it. I was like, yeah, all right, let's, you can pilot this shit. Your data, of course you can. <laughs> fly through that fuck that shit yeah truly a a satisfying conclusion to data's arc as well you know he finally defeats lore he becomes the the amalgamation of himself and human in a way that he always dreamed he would and uh you know ends up piloting the ship and saving the day and and flying in like a goddamn huey <laughs> when they need when they need him most you know, thanks to thanks to Troy's psychic connection to Riker, that scene is just like I sometimes I'll just watch that when I need to pick me up. That uh, that ship, Tokyo drifting into the <laughs> into the, over the heads of uh, our heroes as they escape, and the what I'm assuming is the animatronic Borg Queen 
uh, is finally dealt with once and for all. Yeah. Deal with that board game. But it was, look, that's even a nice touch. They actually got the same actress who played the board queen in the movie. And I was just like, that's dope. Thank you. Do the voice and stuff. I was just like, mm-hmm. You got it. That Terry, like you said, that Terry Metallus really got it. Like it there, I don't have any complaints about season three on the outside of the fact that it's the Borg again. Yeah. But I mean, whatever at that point I'll take it. And, but it was enjoyable to see, uh, you know, seven, like get proper respect as well. Like all the, the growth for everybody seeing how everyone was acting the fact that uh Riker and Troy were like we hate this planet that you put us on you know like they, they were fucking yeah. living out in the middle of nowhere because that's what they felt like they needed them to be again sort of dunking on the previous season yeah <laughs> in, was a, like, in a fun way yeah that place sucks right because Riker <laughs> would never do this no have you like Look, the first season when you see Riker, you know, I'm kind of like, I don't know, is this dude kind of goody goody two shoes? But then when you know he starts losing, when he starts gaining the facial hair, you're like, oh, no, no, Riker gets down. Riker knows what's up. He knows where the fun is. He curses. He's drinking. He's having a good time. He's a city kid. Or he's going <laughs> to want to be in a city. And they have him live in the middle of bumfuck nowhere. And all of a sudden, they're like, oh, no, we're going to move to the city now. This place sucks. <laughs> yeah tell them how to do it yeah yeah agreed yeah terrific end great villains of the uh that final the final season vatic being just like a an aperitif villain was was amazing and then bringing back the borg queen confusingly like this isn't the borg queen like the actor is the same but it's not the borg queen from the movie she died she got her dissolved and her spinal Mm -hmm. column broke open this is the borg from voyager from the end of voyager uh canonically uh and that's why she is still alive because of course in star trek first contact that borg queen was literally dissolved yeah yeah no that's uh, you are correct just the same actress which i still thought was a nice a nice touch yeah and uh, you know what uh, I'm not going to spoil any, anything, but this is actually the second time that new Star Trek has brought back uh, that actress and, or that actor, and it's uh, uh, the first time was in uh, Lower Decks. So something to look forward to. I'm not watching Lower Decks. No, yeah. <laughs> you really should. It's fun. No, I'm good. Thanks if you so. want a if you want a show that's legitimately funny, has some Star Trek flavor. Uh, but it's actually uh, it's very uh, honorific to the IP and the lore. Are you? Lower you should be happy with the amount of Star Trek that I have consumed within the span of less than a, like a fair, month. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> Take what you can get. This is a yep. win. <laughs> don't push it. Okay. Look, John Contrarian. That is literally my last name. I don't watch shit for nobody. The fact that I took the time to watch through painful star trek and then good star trek and then uh okay star trek then uh, what star trek and then awesome star trek is a testament to yeah uh, what was <laughs> fair enough 
Uh, fair enough. But uh, any final thoughts, John, on this amazing romp that is Picard? A great send-off. It ended up being a great send-off for the original cast and uh, and, and in general, uh, overall a satisfying show, in I, my opinion. But what's your, uh, what's your big takeaway from Star Trek uh, Picard? Seasons one and two, you can leave it. Season three is where it's at. I had to watch them all because I really wanted to see what everyone was angry about um, for season two. And then, like, season three, the the redemption arc, the nostalgia stew, everything that they give you is just great Star Trek, bar none. Truly. Yeah, highly, it was highly enjoyable. I grin ear to ear watching it cheering when you see somebody you haven't seen in a while and you're rooting for them and you know i give real talk i give next gen a lot of shit because it's c-span in space but they are definitely like one of the best crews out there and i really thought they got such a raw deal with nemesis that this is a, a wonderful redemption arc them and yeah highly enjoyable recommend it if you listen to this and you haven't watched it but you still you should watch it watch season three you like yeah, star we trek out. yeah we definitely left a lot out um we didn't cover every single thing we will i mean before we go though we should we would be remiss not to mention the weird since there's nothing planned for star trek or these characters or this timeline necessarily uh, or this era of Star Trek after Picard, having after credit scenes is a weird move uh, for a series finale, but they did it. And uh, they set up that Jack Crusher, much like Picard, was challenged by Q on the first in, uh, on encounter at Farpoint. Uh, Jack Crusher, Q has come back and said, ha ha ha, the trial is not over. You thought I was dead, but just kidding, more retconning of that shitty season. <laughs> I'm back and the trial is back on. Well, the trial's over for Picard. But, but not. For, not for you now, because I like you for some reason. We're going to be friends. We and, and me are going to be best buds. Yeah, fucking Star Trek Mitzel Picklet over here going <laughs> to cause you some shenanigans, Mr. Jack Tresher. Yeah, yeah. Or, or not. That really depends on if we ever get any more. You know, I if we do, great. If we don't, great. I honestly, I'm good with either. It, I I would love to see this crew together again, but that's me being selfish. I would. This is again, because anything else someone else does is just gonna stank this up. So yeah. and that's leave, that, leave them the fuck alone. Really, just let <laughs> them the play. original crew alone. Yeah. Let the let these people. Yeah, I mean, I would love to see a Star Trek Legacy like Terry Metalis has pitched. We'll see if it ever happens. I sure hope it does. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think that's going to do Those are our thoughts on the brand new Star Trek Picard. New and gone. It was here, and now it's gone. Yeah, uh, but uh, but a, a really satisfying conclusion to a kind of an uneven show. And um, that is going to do it for us this week. We really enjoyed making this show for you. We sure as heck in the hope that you enjoyed listening to it. So with that, let's roll in to the outro. That's right. 
first of all, as we do at the end of every show, we have to thank Burton M6 for the incredible music on our show. Check the show notes for a link to his Fiverr page. And in fact, my voice dropped out a little bit there. I said his Fiverr page. Fiverr is a service where you can go on there and uh, hire people to do cool stuff for you on a one-off basis. It's like a little uh, freelancing uh, website. It's handy. And as you can tell, the results are awesome. And of course, there we have uh, access to social media, so we take advantage of it. Uh, Instagram, we're always on there. Discord, that's the place to be. Twitter, and <laughs> Gmail. You can send us an old school email if you really want to, if that's the way that you like to communicate. Uh, just check the Pico link. The links to all those things are on there, so you can get in touch with us if you want. And as we like to say to you, all of you out there, we hope that wherever you are, however you choose to listen to this show, that you are feeling happy and that you are feeling healthy. And if you are not feeling happy and healthy, that's great. That's that's not great. (laughs) It's okay. It's certainly okay to be feeling that way. But we hope that listening to this show brought you a little bit of fun and uh, a few laughs, hopefully. And uh, without further ado, I'm going to throw it over to John for the final word. Remember, folks, no that's not that's nothing it is there are two turns of phrase that klingon never admits to knowing defeat and farewell so catch you next week (laughs) oh i see what you did there you're so clever i know Hey, thank you for tuning in to all my super fans. Hope you coming back again. Got a shout out to Fresca. I know you riding with me as we pull up in the Hyundai Delhi City. <laughs> you want the hype? I got you. Gotta keep it locked right here on Pop Saga. Woo! Pop Saga, let's go.